Hey, what's going on? Greetings and good day, and welcome back to Birds All Day. My name is Drew Fairservice. It is here. It is almost February in the year 2020, and we are back talking about your Toronto Blue Jays. Had a bit of a break after we did the fan census, which was a lot of fun. Thanks again to everybody who uh, filled out one of those ballots and who listened and, and enjoyed a, a bit of an unusual episode of Birds All Day, uh, which is, of course, the Blue Jays podcast here on The Athletic. And we are uh, happy if you're listening to us for the first time. If you are not an Athletic subscriber, want make sure you head over to theathletic.com slash birdsallday. Hit that link. Get 40% off a year subscription. So you get everything ad-free that we do all year, la- all year long as we're getting closer to baseball. Spring training is just around the corner. Going to get start winding up back on the weekly tip. Continue to have, uh, have us have fun and do what we do here on Birds All Day. And we couldn't do what we do without the man who joins me as always. Uh, old reliable, old reliable, Mr. Andrew Stoughton. Stoughton, how are you? Uh, I, I am, uh, I'm well. I'm well. Thank you. you. How are you? How are you? I'm well. I'm well oh, enough. Good. You know, I'm keeping, keeping, I'm keeping busy. Good. I suppose. All right. It's a, uh, it's an exciting time. It's a very exciting time. Well, it's not. It's it's the prelude to an exciting time, which is of course then a prelude to the exciting time. Yes, exactly. It's like, uh, yeah, it's going to be spring training soon, and everyone's like, oh look, it's cool. It's so hot or nice there. It sucks here. The those seven or eight long weeks of January are almost done. And uh, we're ready to go. We're ready to go and get start talking about baseball again. Uh, we're we're excited. We're lucky this week. We have uh, Ben Nicholson Smith of Sportsnet who's going to join us. And unfortunately, we only talked about baseball. Last time I saw Ben, uh, so Ben is a company. He's a Ben. Ben is good at Twitter um, in that he uses it for what it's for. But so yes. then when I talk to him in person, he's like, oh, man, he, he and I, whenever we whenever we, we meet, we talk about like ur- the urban planning and like city shit that I'm always <laughs> going on about. And he's like, oh, I wish I could. He's like he feels, you know, he doesn't. He, it's something he's passionate about, but he keeps it away from his work Twitter because he's smart. He's a professional. That's right. Yeah. Not like me tweeting about fucking poison the well and God only knows whatever <laughs> else half the time. Just driving yeah. people away. Just pushing them out the door. So. We'll have that chat with Ben. We talked about the Astros thing and how it's related to the Blue Jays. And we talked about some of the sort of, um, uh, you know, positional battles and just what spring training is all about. So stay tuned for that. We'll get to that in a few moments. But in the meantime, let's you and I, Stoughton, let's catch up on what's been going on. Sure. And I think the the biggest thing that's been going on, uh, one of the biggest things that happened since last we spoke in in this forum, was Larry Walker was elected to the Hall of Fame. Oh, yeah, that's right. It's been a while, though. That was crazy. That was I genuinely, and I think I tweeted this at the time, but I, I didn't. I didn't realize how much I was confident that he was not going to make it until he did, mm-hmm. and I witnessed my own reaction as that happened because I was I was quite thrilled by it uh, because he deserved it, and it was sort of absurd that it had taken so long. And you know, everybody everybody listening to this, I think, knows this. You know, I, when I wrote about mm-hmm. it, I'm like, I don't have to make the damn statistical case. Like that's redundant. Like anybody who has followed. You know the uh, the 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 game in the way that we all do now. Uh, you know the people who are, are are in this little corner of the internet and the the podcast world. Uh, we know it's obvious. Like those are park league adjusted stats, and he was as good as anybody by any adjustment and on the road and all of that bullshit. So uh, unnecessary to make that case, and was which just made it so nice that we didn't have to. You know. Slap people's foreheads with you know a, a, a you know a, a thick paper, uh, explaining 
why they're wrong for having uh, you know not given him this honor. So it's great. The twisted the twisted thing about it is that I can understand having that park adjustment conversation, having it be a real challenge to get your mind passed. If if you couldn't if you're hung up on the course thing and you're really struggling with the Hall of Fame debate, maybe Todd Helton is the guy that you, that that is the one that's like totally make or break. Yeah. Larry Walker sure. was a <laughs> legitimately great baseball player who made your team better in every way that you can on the field. Like, I don't think that yep. there's any, you don't need to make a bigger case than that. He did everything really, really well. Um, uh, uh, the only thing that you only wished was that he was a little bit healthier, a little bit more often. But at the same time, it doesn't matter. At the end of the day, his career was exemplary. He is a great player. He is the greatest Canadian player. Um, and he is a Hall of Fame player, which I think is great because I know you in particular are like pretty much sa- very sour on the idea of the Hall of Fame and what it's become. But as yeah. soon as something good happens, it was like, fucking right hall of fame <laughs> bitch that's where he belongs like yeah it's it's yep. great so it's, it's it's definitely something to celebrate and he seems like the like you know we had um was his name was that guy's name ben oh my god i'm so rude i can't remember uh about the but the jacques villeneuve very larry walker um documentary that that aired on tsn simon excuse me simon of course the director yeah. of, of that uh of that doc and that was great that was a, a really fun show if you are new to the show? Go back and dig that one up because it was going to check out that video as well that that movie. Um, but yeah, Larry Walker, easy, easiest guy to like, easy guy to cheer for, and a great great moment for baseball as well as Canadian baseball. I agreed. Can't disagree. Um, and I wanted to mention real quick an interesting thing we talked. The last show we did was was the going through the results of the Blue Jays fan census, which was a lot of fun. And again, as I mentioned, thank you to everybody who took the time to fill it out. Thank you everybody who was with us when we went through. Um, I got a couple. Of, the guy Chris who did all the stat crunching for us, he sent me some some things after the fact, which was pretty cool. Which was about kind of cross uh, cross tabs on people who said this to this question. Uh, and how they answered this uh, another question. And one of the, the ones I found was really interesting was the question about where do you live, and then do you travel for games? Um, and so that sort of consistent with what we talked about. A very surprised to see the prairies turn up so well. We had a lot of listeners who were from the prairies, and the prairies were also the people who like definitely uh, over over indexed in terms of traveling to go and watch games, traveling to go to watch games, you know, on the road. Uh, which I thought was cool. It makes sense, logical, but it, and it's all there. Well, a lot of a lot of people, not to dispel this, but yeah, you know, a lot of people in Winnipeg do travel to to Fargo a lot to use the airport. So so traveling mm-hmm. is just easy for them. And I, I don't know if we talked about it, but everyone I've, I've ever <laughs> talked about who are known from Winnipeg or anywhere in the prairies, they are the scale, the size of trips, road trips in particular, is like not something my brain can adjust to. They're like, this oh, yeah, we drove correct. to Chicago. It's only like eight hours. Not a big deal. We just kind of got in the car, go, go to the show, and then go drive, turn on, drive home. I'm like, all the way to Chicago? From Winnipeg? Anyway, it's crazy. And the other one was, another interesting one was how much, uh, the, the correlation between how much money do you spend on the team and how much time do you spend watching it? You might be surprised to learn that people who spend a lot of money on gear for the team also really like to watch the team. So That, that, does, seem, that does seem like it would correlate, yeah. That holds, that passes, <laughs> that passed the smell test. Uh, yeah. So moving on real quick. Another thing that happened since last we spoke was the Fan Fest. The former state of the franchise has now grown into a full-on Fan Fest with like Ferris wheels and places to pitch and all kinds of stuff. And the players are there signing autographs and doing whatever. And they unveiled 
a new third uniform. Third, fourth, God only knows how many they've got. They unveiled a new powder blue um, inspired uniform. What do you hashtag, think? Hashtag new blue. Hashtag, hashtag new blue. blue. You got your, your, your kit in the mail. I didn't get a kit in the mail, but you got one. And, uh, did, and then you got yeah. to see the jersey. What do you think? Uh, you know, I, I kind of was, eh, I, you know, I think it's unnecessary. I think they have great uniforms as it is, frankly. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it wasn't, it, it, it wasn't as bad as I feared it would be. I think it's much better than the, the attempt at the powder blues that they did in the mid 2000s or the late 2000s, whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it is less true to the original, but you know, not a bad a, thing. In good ways. Yeah, I think uh, you know. I, th- I think they made some nice stylistic choices with you know the lettering being dark and whatnot, and, and uh, I, I'm curious to see what they look like on a field. Honestly, I mean, I think I, I was I was pretty down on them. I was uh, was asked to to fire off a take. You know, you want to have a take ready, mm-hmm. uh, which I think was generally down about it. But uh, uh, I, I I later sort of walked it back and like you know if I if I see them on opening day and the crowd's all there and the, you know I, I won't. I won't be surprised if I say to myself, yeah, those aren't so bad. Uh, a lot of people who are there, I know, uh, and that I've spoken to personally, were like, oh, it looked really great on stage. So I don't know. Maybe they're okay. I do like the dark numbers. I absolutely do. That That is the one uh, aspect huge, of Huge them. difference compared to what, yeah. Yes. Yeah. And and, and not, and not and God love the old ones. I would, yeah, I use that that Lloyd Lloyd Mosby quote from the from the previous rollout when he was like, "Yeah, you looked at the mirror a thousand times and you're still like, that, that ain't right." Uh, <laughs> like, I, but, but at least the, I, like I, the, the set the logo in the center of the chest as opposed to the offset one. I, I I'm glad that they they chose not to do that. Mm. Uh, throwing the player, and I noticed also in that old piece that uh, they did the same thing where they threw the players under the bus. Essentially, they're like, "Yeah, you know, we we gave the players a few options, and they were really the ones who were driving the bus on what these look like." Which is like, <laughs> well, now you can't. Now the fans can't blame them for looking shitty. You just have to like them. You know, I think it's a little bit of uh, PR sleight of hand, but uh, maybe I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what the players think because you know the pitcher, the starting pitcher, generally gets to choose mm. what they wear. I have a feeling, uh, Mr. Ryu may not may not opt for the the, the pajama looking ones, but who's to say? Who's to say? As a person of of a, of a body type that's not too dissimilar, <laughs> I'm like, I don't know if those are the right ones for you. Um, I have a hard time watching the image of them walking out on stage and not immediately flashing back <laughs> to the scene in Slapshot when like there's the <laughs> that's the only like I, everyone but my wife's me running for the exits like that's the only thing I can think of when whenever they do those when the players are like eh, sure like they're wandering out on stage being like oh boy I, I, I did a thing with uh, where, where I transcribed some of Ross Atkins on uh, Tim and Sid not mm-hmm. long after that, and uh, and he was like, "Yeah, they they look like guys who are ball players. They should keep they shouldn't quit their day jobs and become models." <laughs> and it's like Ross Atkins is is like it's like burning you here. Uh, <laughs> clearly, <laughs> clearly, it's been it's it's obvious to everyone that I kid Ross obviously, but. Yeah. But yeah, so the, their uniforms are out there. I like that the pants match. Uh, my 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 hope is that they do the same thing for like the royal blue shirt. Throw them out there in some royal blue pants. I don't know if that's the official name, but don't be wearing the dark blue shirt and the white pants. Dark blue shirt, dark blue pants. Get out there. Get them a new set of pants. Then you know why they don't do that? Because nobody's going to buy them. So they don't need to worry about making selling blue pants. They just have the white and the gray. 
and now the powder <laughs> blue. But I, that's what I want to see. I want them to look like look like the Cuban team out there. They got the red shirts, red pants. Don't be wearing the white pants with the cool the cool blue shirt. But I think you, your point is a good one. That is, the uniforms are so nice as they are. They still look fresh. They, they've had those for what eight years now. Was that 2012 when they brought those? It's it's something like that. Yeah, yeah. Because, but they look fresh as a daisy. They look great. The, the I mean, they did until you like turn them into a damn tracksuit with the <laughs> the royal blue pants. Yeah, yeah, that's right. You are wearing a tracksuit. They're out doing <laughs> out there doing a- athletics. They it's important right. that they look athletic, not just indeed, indeed athletic. <laughs> um, some more housekeeping stuff. Um, it's top prospect time of the year. I know we've talked with um, we talked with Jeff Paternostro of, uh, of Baseball Prospectus earlier this year when the Blue Jays top ten uh, launched the BP dropped their one hundred and one that featured Nate Pearson at number nineteen, and I believe two other Blue Jays were in the top one hundred and one, or or was was Simeon Woods Richardson in the in the, the top one hundred and one? I don't know. Yeah, he may not. He may not have been. Yeah. Baseball America uh, dropped their top 100. Yeah, that's featured, that's the one you want to that's what you want to look at because that's, that's the one, the one that's you want to look at. Optimistic you, on the Jays, yeah. Uh, that that list had Nate Pearson at number seven, and Simeon Woods Richardson as high as number sixty six. Something which is pretty like good. That, yeah. So yeah, yeah, not bad, not bad. Uh, and I mean, what and. I mean, I wrote about this a little bit. I think it's in the same bird's eye view piece. If those, if anybody's missed it, the one with uh, uh, something about the the follow. No, I think it was about the Brock Holt rumor. This was in, but it, it uh, uh, they spoke about it on their on their podcast, and and some of the stuff they were saying about uh, about Jordan Groshans was uh, was incredible because he was in you know the top thirty, which is high compared to some other of the the evaluators as well and uh they haven't had ben badler on their podcast who was the the high guy in the room basically mm. on groshans and uh he was saying real good things real real good things and uh and woods richardson also was you know they uh, they were the suggestion from the hosts was that it was you know uh we maybe have him too high and then they, their feedback was more move him up then it's too high, which uh, which is odd because he's you know in the nineties on other lists or not on other lists, but uh, uh, you know definitely definitely a guy with uh, with a bit of uh, helium in that world. I think uh, at least if you listen to Baseball America, which you should, because <laughs> the other one's obviously trash. Uh, but, uh, allow Keith me Law to rebut. Two, still to come. Our, our our athletic colleague now, Keith Law. Who, uh, as all Blue Jays fans know, has a personal vendetta against Mark Shapiro, so I'm sure he'll be real low on those. And out to get him. I, um, I assume we'll we'll speak to him when that happens. While you have uh, said that, in fact, the Baseball Prospectus uh, Top 101 was trash, I would say <laughs> that the Baseball Prospectus Annual, the 25th edition of the annual, is doing pre-orders now. It ships at the end of the nice. month. And uh, you're, again, I wrote the Blue Jays essay. So if you are so inclined to get the BP Annual, number one book. Uh, in in sports on or in baseball, I should say, on uh, Amazon today. But also, uh, don't buy it from there. Go to an actual bookstore and get it. But go go cop the BP uh, annual and read your boy no, def- a writing about <laughs> butterflies and the Blue Jays. Uh, <laughs> de- definitely do that. And and yeah, their list's not trash. But not go trash. but go to the go to the Baseball America list. That's the one you want. For our if you purposes. want, yeah. But I mean, if I mean, you're that's... if you're a clown, if you're a clown and want reasons to be mad at the Jays, then go look at the other list. But if you 
you know, you're a, a normal person who wants to, you know, just get that sweet release of endorphins with, you know, a good news kind of thing. The good baseball. chemicals. Four guys in the top yeah. 100. The good chemicals are on their way. Uh, <laughs> that's not bad <laughs> considering the fact that the Blue Jays graduated a two top 10 prospects just last year, um, as well as um, Danny Jansen, who was kind of like a mid to bottom uh, yeah. In the top 100, uh, for, you know, a couple I of years think running. Vigio snuck onto a couple as well, maybe. I don't think he'll be on Craig uh, Keith Law's list, however. <laughs> uh, well, well, yeah, no. I mean, because he graduated, not because Keith Law ha- harbors ill. You know, Keith has his perspective yeah. on the kind of player that Craig Biggio would be. This next year is huge. To well, determine Craig Biggio would be a, a Hall Ka- of Famer, Frank. Kevin Biggio is Craig Biggio. The kind of player that Craig Biggio's son is and can be um i think he surprised a lot of people in the, even in the last two years um where they just he's the kind of guy they just kind of kept promoting and saying like let's see what you can do and uh, according to a lot of the metrics he uh, played uh some very nice infield for the blue jays at second base that's true so, that's true let's see he had that, <laughs> by the you know, skin of his teeth like i remember i, I fixed him I, mm. I pulled the the dustin parks speaking of the parks and uh shelby miller mm. uh i mean uh, you know, writing about how he—it's like, oh, look out—he's been fucking awful. And then, right at that point, you know, which I think was what late August or something like that, mm-hmm. whenever it was, turned it around, looked fine. Uh, you know, got had some had some nice overall numbers, frankly, and uh, and you know, just turned his whole season around. But there was a point in there where it was like, ooh, he's been real bad for a real long time. I'm glad you mentioned that because I think it it has in in some ways been forgotten. Because a his numbers were so were nice in the end, uh, he was he was finished the season so strong compared to like Vlad who who really struggled in September last half of September in particular. But yeah, there was that period where it was like, well, he should he's taking his walks, but boy, he's not doing anything else at all. Um, yeah, but yeah, Kevin Biggio definitely turned around, and, and as I said, it's a huge year for him. Really exciting to see what he can what he can do, how he can follow up, um, uh, uh, surprising and uh, and again finishing strong in his rookie campaign. A very, as we've come to learn or have been told, very heady player. So hopefully he, uh, you know, was able to put spend the winter putting in the work and getting ready to uh, put that baseball noggin to good use. Yeah, uh, it's nice. It is exciting to have a guy, you know, guys like that and Biggio and, and Bichette and Vlad and whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, where it's not like it's Randall Gritchick and you're trying to convince yourself, well, all right, age 29, that's going to be his season, baby. He's going to feel – it's all going to click now. It's like, oh, these are guys who are actually, you know, at the stage of their career where they could take – you know, not that, not that it's impossible. Uh, the team that, uh, that, that Jose Bautista built, obviously, we all know that it's possible for, uh, for you know, late bloomers to really happen. But, but yeah, it's, I think it's exciting to have real people – to, to feel good about their gains as opposed to, you know, is this just, is Teoscar just going to go in another damn slump and, and have another Teoscar Hernandez season? Are these guys who have continually shown us who they are going to continue to be who they are? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> the, this one man says, no. Uh, <laughs> speaking of uh, high ceiling, you know, uh, bo- boomer bust guys, uh, we're getting to that season. Where we're starting to see some some names of guys who are going to be in uh, spring with the Blue Jays. Uh, guys that are like, uh, A, that don't get paid, I, I don't think. Uh, that's the whole weird thing about that. But, um, you know, yeah. f- more familiar names. Like, hey, maybe this guy can, they could take a flyer in this guy. Maybe he can make the club. Maybe he can offer some veteran depth. Maybe he can offer some presence. Um, you know, a couple of the names are out there. Joe Panic, 
is one who's going to be in Jay's camp. Excuse me, who Giants fans remember. Uh, was a very good player, like a solid league average, very good um, hit, for, hit for a high average, kind of a line drive guy, and played really nice defense at second base, which is nice to have in your back pocket if you need it. Uh, Caleb Joseph, who is a catcher, best known for um, being the subject of Marcus Stroman's ire one time, and I guess that was in 2015, when uh, Stroman beamed him and then, got, and then heard about it from his own teammates. But not doing the yeah, right thing. Yeah, or I don't. I don't know if he beamed him, or did he beam him, or did he just throw you know inches behind his head, whatever it was. It I think was, that uh, might have been. Uh, that might have been one or the other. But uh, I'm surprised. It was like a Jose. Was it was revenge for a Jose Reyes play at the plate, right? Like Joseph was the catcher for the Orioles, and I think stepped mm. on Reyes or something like that. And this is the thing. Joseph is a guy who you know they're they're doing the Eric Sogard thing, which is you know a thing that existed long before Eric Sogard, which is you know they're they're they have these guys who are veterans who are on. You know, minor league deals with an invite, and you just you kind of hope that things don't go so badly that you actually need to use them. I think, or you know, or you hope that they, you know, hit their way onto the team and look like, you know, make you look like a genius for for just taking a flyer on them, which is really what Sogard did last year. Uh, but you know, it, like Joseph was like the primary catcher for the Orioles for like three years, basically, maybe longer than that. Uh, doesn't mean he was particularly good, but you know, he can handle it behind the plate and the Jays obviously have a lot of depth there and uh but but the guys behind behind Danny Jansen and Reese McGuire are really young you're talking like Riley Adams and then you know other than org guys you got to go to like you know Gabriel Moreno who's probably going to be in double a eventually might not even start there uh so you know guys who you don't who are not going to sniff the big leagues and who aren't on the 40 man so having a guy like Joseph there is someone who can you know like you say it's depth guy but a nice, a nice one, I guess. You know. Um, speaking guess. of depth, guys, you, you alluded to this earlier. Uh, the potential of another utility guy, like a Brock Holt type, maybe the yeah. sniffing around free agent Brock Holt. It's nice that there are guys who can fill in and kind of do be Jotty on the spot, excuse me, Brock on the spot, and uh, play a bunch of different positions. Brock Holt has had had some pretty good years. Um, he's also a bit of a. Um, if Brock Holt stolen your job, was it ever really your job? Uh, but I don't know. Is there a room for another guy like this in the Blue Jays mix this year? Uh, I think so. I mean, if there's room for Bravik Valera, which there might be, then yeah, there's room mm-hmm. for Brock Holt. Um, I looked at the depth, you know, the depth chart basically tried to project out the roster based on what we have, you know, in front of us right to now uh, earlier this week. And, uh, didn't didn't address Holt because I was kind of just going with what's in the organization at the moment and mm-hmm. and you know it's uh, maybe Tellez doesn't get a job maybe Drury maybe uh, maybe Anthony Alford uh, but it's but it's like that was sort of the way I I had all three of them there and then not a true shortstop sort of uh, behind uh, behind them because you know Drury could maybe handle it for a day and then you gotta they'll have to scramble and figure out. You know, here comes Ruben Tejada, who's another one of those non-roster guys who uh, we could be talking about. And I, I think Holt, you know, you don't want him as your everyday shortstop, but he's a guy who you know, would fit into that mix. And if he, if they brought him in, would would certainly give Drury a run for his money and, and give them another uh, permutation to the the roster that they could think about. I mean, it might it might push Anthony Alford out the door, uh, but also might Bravik Valera. And if you're going to give him that chance. Uh, you might as well pay a couple million dollars to get Brock Holt to do it. That's that's sort of how I figure because Holt, for all his faults, as I'm sure you are ready to point out, or already have, 
He can hit a little bit and he can play a bunch of positions. He's better than Bravik Bre- Bre- and Valera. He, and he's a he's setting that like bar a, real high here. That's a really low <laughs> bar. The bar high. But yeah. he's also like a really kind of, yeah. as long as you can get past the Red Sox stink, he's kind of an easy guy to root for, for all of like the scrappy white guy-ness that he brings. People love, people love Brock Holt, whether or not he's, whether he's good, bad, or indifferent. They just, they love to do the thing with the arms. Brock Holt! With the, with the hands and the and, on on uh, online, but uh, but yeah, I don't know. Not yeah, been, he's not uh, stealing anybody's job, than, right? I've been a better than hmm? league average hitter the last the last two years. Been worth you know over two years, hundred eighty about two hundred games. Been worth you know almost three wins. One hundred nine weighted runs created plus one hundred three. So like just above league not, average hitter and no real position. All is Vlad Guerrero Jr. Who knew? <laughs> yeah. And uh, I would be remiss if I didn't mention. Speaking of uh, of guys who can do lots of different things and guys who can who can hit a little bit or a lot, Eric Thames signed not with the Toronto Blue Jays. He signed a deal with the Washington Nationals, the World Series champion Washington Nationals, which will never be something I'm going to be used to saying. Um, but yeah, that sucks. The Nationals have just got a whole bunch of guys that all do that same sort of thing. It'd be interesting to see how that all pans out. They re-sign Ryan they're Zimmerman. Like, they yeah, they're like the in. they're like the Reds over here, where they have like four right fielders. Or did, did you see that tweet? Somebody it's like, oh, here's the Reds' opening day lineup, and it's like three guys in right field and a pair of third basemen. Positions, accurate. positions. That's they're so 2015. Come on, exactly. Obviously, exactly. We're talking Brock Holt, talking Kevin Biggio. Be good at nothing, but sort of so good 2015. At you mean the year the Jays had Chris Colabello in left field half the time? They did do that. And then they had him playing first base when it mattered the most. Wild, wild, wild stuff. Anything else? What else we got? That's pretty much it. We're just kind of catching up on the news, having a bit of fun, just sort of riffing away here. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, Rafael Rafael Dolis. Oh, right, of course. uh, Ought to say that. You know, a couple, you know, I was, I had my face in the damn 40 man there all week, Uh, though he's not on it yet. Mm. Uh, as far as I as far as I know, at least at, t- at the time that we are recording this, but that has that is a signing that uh, they've made. They just gotta you know kick someone off the forty man. Um, but yeah, an a, a interesting guy in that you know he played a little with the Tigers in uh, or in the Tigers system in 2015, uh, and has been in Japan ever since. But uh, has turned into uh, a pretty good, uh, pretty good reliever. A lot of racked up some saves. Was a closer for uh, Hanshin, Hanshin, uh, the Tigers there, I believe, also right. And uh, you know, I think it was like 227 strikeouts in 202 innings or something like that. You know, like a uh, a, a guy who had a lot of success there. Obviously, a different level, but there's something there that the Blue Jays like. They gave him a big league contract, apparently. So. Uh, so we'll be seeing him, and that's interesting. I think too, it speaks to the way that they've, uh, you know, we've heard over and over for years, like, oh, they're gonna, the Jays are gonna finally start looking to that uh, to overseas market, look to 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 bring more guys in from uh, Korea and Japan. And uh, this offseason, I mean, it's only three guys, but uh, three guys they've given big league deals to, so we expect to see a lot of them. So they obviously have a lot of trust in what their operation looks like and what they're seeing over there. So uh, that's interesting because uh, 
those are fun those are fun leagues and and i, I kind of love those stories and uh more of those to come hopefully in future seasons it's uh uh they don't always work out but it's it's a little bit of intrigue just because of the, the unknown factor i think that uh that shun yamaguchi i'm excited to see what how they can use him i think that he kind of his signing kind of got um overshadowed and uh, uh, for sure. he is, again, as we spoke of at the time, sort of, um, not a guy we know a lot about. But, you know, if if they are, if the Blue Jays are right in sort of moving, I don't know, not betting more heavily or, or just sort of relying on their on their advanced scouting in that in that part of the world and watching the um, the NPB and stuff. And, and if it turns out, they could have just a lot of interesting guys and interesting looks too, right? Guys that are not just... You know, which is something they they've they've always been good at, and I and I always like that they, you know, it's you'd love to have just a parade of guys that look like Philippe Mont and throw 100 miles an hour and with like splitters that break two feet, but you, you, those guys are not in uh, they're in, in in high demand. So if you can come out there and and just get a different get outs in different kind of ways, I'm into that. I'm happy to see it. I'm excited to watch. Philippe Mont also absolutely. Going to spring training. Yeah, another non roster invite. Yeah, team. let's. I uh, would love to see that. That'd be a great story to have him come and, and you know be a real contributor. And Think why, about you know, how well we, we he... can only stat. We can only scout the stat line at this point, right? We're like, uh, and I don't know how you, you know, what the what the minor league equivalencies are for the Can Am League, but uh, but he pitched real well last year. Think about how well he's going to have to pitch to equal what I believe to be the last time. That he pitched at the Rogers Center. I'm trying to. I'm just like looking up his splits now. I just need to know if he if he ever pitched in the in the Rogers Center in the big leagues. That's yeah. That's a great question. Um, because yeah, that he one time not. was real good. Hmm? Like, that one time was real good. That one time was thinking of. real real good. Still, still more than ten. Jesus, ten years later. Um, one of my favorite games I've ever attended. Easily, was that two thousand? That was two thousand and nine. Man, it uh, yeah, is that what it was? I mean, and it that was that was great because it was it was such a dire moment for the Blue Jays, and mm. you know it was such a uh, you know a moment where where for years you know even though you and I and and, and a lot of people would would be going regularly, it was mm-hmm. it was not the same, and it was you know not the same even as it was. In two thousand three, two thousand two, it was, you know, the the J, the Jays were really, you know, they uh, well two thousand nine they they were looking at losing Halliday the the next off season or like that was sort of hanging over them and the mm-hmm. Burnett thing and and, and it was uh, you know they were just still looking up the Yankees obviously won the World Series or they would go on to win the World Series that year, uh, things were just bad you know it was just mm-hmm. it was just not a great spot and then for every you know for the the dome to be filled and for it to be the, you know, the best atmosphere you felt at that building since, you know, the glory days, probably mm-hmm. uh, just really reminded you that, you know, Oh, right. It's, it is a baseball town and it is, there are people who understand the game and know when to clap and know, you know, know what's going on and who these people are and are interested and, and know how the, you know, the, the game works. And they are just, they're not going to the blue Jays games because they're frustrated as hell by, you know just how utterly useless this uh, franchise had been at the time, and uh, and I assume that we'll probably get to one of those points uh, <laughs> again at some point in the future. <laughs> but uh, we're kind of in one now, and maybe coming out of it. Hopefully, coming out of it. I just hope that they bring it back. 
that they bring the the World Baseball Classic back to Toronto again because I would like to go. I didn't go. The other was it? They, it came. It was there one more time. And anyway, it was a great game. I'll never forget a lot of things yeah. in that game. I'll never forget, of course, Omar. Now I'll never forget the home run that Adam Dunn hit that I thought was going to like knock over the second deck. Like it just it just kept rising and like went out of the ball all the ballpark somehow. <laughs> never went down at any point um, to left center field. But uh, a great game. Um, that's about it. So that's about it for us. What we're going to do? We're going to talk to Ben Nicholson Smith here and now. And then, uh, and then we'll come back and we'll say goodbye. But uh, stay tuned. Yeah, we talked to Ben about the Astros and about spring training. So here's that right now. As we mentioned, it is now at this time our pleasure to be joined by the co-host of At the Letters. He is, I believe, the baseball official MLB editor of uh, Sportsnet. He is Ben Nicholson Smith. We also know him as Benny Fresh. Benny Fresh, thank you for joining us. This is—it's been a long time coming. It has. Thanks, Drew, for having me on. Stoughton, always good to be on with you guys um, and talking some baseball. So, yeah, definitely happy to be joining, and, and thanks for having me. I got thinking earlier when we first started talking about doing this about the time that you came on and guest hosted on the Getting Blanked show back, that you were still at MLB Trade Rumors back then, I believe. Yeah, exactly. That was a while ago now, but I, I know exactly the one you're talking about. It was crazy. Uh, it was fun. It was, uh, but we've come a long way. Was I there? I, I a lot of those getting blank things uh, just kind of slipped out of my memory for some reason or another. If, that, if that, you that might have been there, or, so. or <laughs> I, I, no, you were there. And I think Parks was. That was when Parks was on vacation when he went to. That was when he fixed Shelby Miller. If you recall. Oh right, yeah. When Parks went and and told <laughs> right. Shelby Miller to get it together, and then he did. Um, briefly, but much has changed in baseball since then. Briefly, ever so briefly. I mean, he needs another pep talk. I think is what <laughs> we're getting at here. Uh, much has changed, and nothing has changed more than the elaborate means to which some teams will go to cheat. So I would say that that is like the kind of the biggest story in baseball right now. Maybe I'm crazy, but uh, it feels like it until Mookie Betts gets traded, of course. But uh, so Ben, yeah, there was the the Astros sign stealing guy. What's his name? Uh, John Russell? No. Tony Adams, Arsenal Tony legend. Tony Adams, Arsenal legend Tony Adams uh, revealed, like he went through and broke down all of the the trash can banging incidents and, and the variety and which pitches and, and when. And you realized today that you attended the one game, the game that had the most of most instances of banging and that was some of the most egregious bangings. And I think, well, what did you say on Twitter? That if you had known... Your game story might have turned out a little bit better, a little bit different than it than it did uh, back in uh, I guess twenty seventeen. Yeah, it's been such a surreal story to follow um, on so many levels, and I guess it, it took another turn this week when I realized that I was I had been there in Houston when I was covering that series at the time, and honestly, like in the two years since then, or more than two years since then, I don't think I had really given that series any thought whatsoever until I saw that chart that came out on Twitter with the recording of how or when the when the banging came from the Astros and when they were cheating the most. And then when I look back, I was like, oh my goodness, I was actually at that game, which is in that whole series. So it's kind of crazy to have witnessed baseball history, but also like I had no idea it was happening. So it's not like I was aware of that at the time. Um, which I guess kind of throws things off. But yeah, it's it's nuts. The Jays were lit up by the Astros all series. And I do remember that part of it. But now we know they actually had some help. So it's, it's you know, even though that Jays pitching staff wasn't very good, 
they definitely were were made to look worse than they actually were. Well, and though there there is there there was one exception as your your colleague Shy has uh, has a piece just up about Marco Estrada's game where they didn't they they relayed it twenty three times and didn't get a single base hit like uh, they they banged for his change up all the time and still he was just carving him up because he was like a classic it was a classic Estrada start which uh, is magnificent and I I love that, that that that's what's happened but yeah those other games. You know, those poor Cesar Valdez and, and Mike Bolsinger and everybody else who, you know, just, you know, put out to pasture after the Astros uh, doing all that. Yeah, it's it's crazy. Like, you think about, okay, you have the the Dodgers, who are probably the, the team with the most reason to be angry at this whole thing, or, uh, you know, potentially the Red Sox, and, and who knows, one or both of those teams might have been doing just as, just as much of their own. Um, but then you look at it on a player level, and it's hard not to feel for guys who were just destroyed by the Astros, a great hitting team to begin with, who then have this intricate system of, of stealing signs um, that you know seemingly works. When you look at s- certainly those games against the Blue Jays, um, there would there would be you know it, it would be hard to look at those results and think that that didn't help in some way against guys like Mike Bolsinger and Cesar Valdez, who are now out of the game and have been ever since then. And that's where you start to think, man, that's. You know, there's it's so shady uh, on so many levels, but when you think about the careers that it impacted, like that does suck because those guys, Cesar Valdez, I don't know if he what his major league service is, but you know he's not gonna he's not gonna be living on the on the on the huge salary that he was making with the Blue Jays <laughs> at that time. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I think the, that. I wonder about the, the the context maybe that some of this provides um, as it relates to Marco Estrada, as it relates to Marcus Stroman, who you you know you're off to a good start on your day when you got Marcus Stroman in your mentions, which I saw you <laughs> had today, uh, Ben. But uh, it didn't affect you know, Estrada as much as maybe you would think, but a guy who's on his game. Stroman, who um, noted in some of his uh, tweets about it, was was going on about how you know they were laying off his sliders. They were they were relaying to the batters when his slider was coming, and they weren't on it. But he still pitched well. Is are, are is this maybe giving a little bit of credence to the, like the it wasn't quite as effective as we thought, and like that the Caesar Valdezes and the Mike Bolsingers could well you know maybe they had another week left in them. Maybe it wasn't maybe uh, not not I'm not to to downplay what the Astros did, but I just wonder about this really really granular data that we've received from this. Uh, from uh, from Arsenal great Tony Adams uh, is is that uh, <laughs> yeah. do, does it change our perspective a little bit maybe yeah I, I think it it does a, a little bit um, it, it's so hard to tell like how much of a difference it makes to have the the signs coming your way and I think I haven't checked in recently but I think the home road splits for the Astros as a team that year were actually bizarrely even but you know at the same time. I just I have to believe that it was making some kind of a difference, and I don't think it's as as stark a difference as it would have been for for guys who were doing steroids back in the day uh, by any stretch. But I think it's got to be an edge if you have all kinds of players buying in. They thought it was they thought it was helping them. Certainly, you know, you look at Alex Cora thought it was helping them. AJ Hinch was you know deeply perturbed by it, depending on who you believe. Dave Hudgens, who you know we haven't really heard much from him except for, for John Lott's article, um, 
but you presume that he knew what was going on and sort of the players. So they all seem to believe collectively that it was helping them, but determining how much is probably impossible. Definitely a lot of players, current players have come out saying that it's, it's, you know, they need to be punished and punished severely. I know Randall Gritchick, who, um, who was kind of quoted in a, in a story there on Sportsnet about how he, you know, he really hopes they come down and hit them with the maximum penalty. I know that there are probably some fans that are unhappy with what they were, what they were given. Um, it, it, is there ever is there ever enough? Is there a measure? Is there is there something that maybe that could be done or 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 that could potentially save face in your mind? Is there is there a punishment? Is there a magic number that they get hit that would make everybody realize or or say, okay, this is right? The you know these people have all been made right. I don't know that there is one. If there if there is a, a solution like that, I don't think I've heard of it. I, it's it's just so tricky because you can't award the title to another team. I mean, I think it's, that's pretty obvious that you can't, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe you've, maybe do you vacate the title? I don't know. I mean, that's like, that's something that you could, you could at least consider. Um, but Mm -hmm. you can't retroactively give it to the Dodgers. I mean, they're they're not Mm going to go out and have a parade. The players have dispersed all over the place. Like that's, that's impossible at this point. Um, and then it's, they're at an interesting spot when it comes to punishing the players, because in a sense, these players are the ones perpetrating the, the the crime because they're the ones who are actually putting this system into place and you couldn't do it without them. On the other hand, the real architects of this system are way higher up the decision-making um, tree than these guys. And so it's, it's a little bit tricky to put on them. And, you know, they don't necessarily ask too many questions about it. Maybe for the players, it's simply, all right, you're going to hear this trash can. They're not worried about camera placement. They're not worried about, you know, which intern is allowed where at which point. So I, I think it gets a little bit murky, but it, it's not a satisfying result. I mean, I think that's that's pretty clear. I find it I find this stuff like highly, highly entertaining. And I'm not done like following <laughs> the story and enjoying the story yet. So it, mm-hmm. you know that's that's something, but it's not entirely satisfying either. No, it, it's definitely not that. I mean, I think that fans and, and we all get carried away when you see the like there was the five million dollar fine. That uh, is a drop in the bucket compared to some of the revenues that a World Series run and then the subsequent shine of being the world champion is going to provide to the team. But also, you know, we don't always recognize that like that's the maximum amount of fine as allowed by the CBA. So there are more factors at play. But I think it's going to be really interesting to see how um, the dialogue around the story continues. Like you said, I'm not I'm not tired of it at all. And. And there are so many people as uh, spring trainings open in the next couple of weeks. Um, I'm interested to say what somebody like Justin Verlander has to say, you know, someone who's been really outspoken about, uh, about steroids, about cheating, about integrity in the game. Um, somebody who has a, such a great reputation. Uh, uh, it'll really be interesting uh, to see if, if he says anything, if, if he has uh, maybe the courage of his convictions to step forward and to, um, and to admit wrongdoing, to suggest that what they did was wrong and that there, that there was, in fact, a culture problem. I think, uh, you know, with Dusty Baker in place, I don't, I, I don't know. I feel like Dust, I like, I, it'd be interesting to see how Dusty impacts the way that they talk to the media. Because my, uh, while I am among those who's like, yeah, Dusty's cool and he got a bad rap, he definitely is like a circle the wagons type of guy in my mind. So maybe there isn't going to be like this grand, 
um, uh, 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 show made by by contrite Astros players who are probably more just mad that they got caught. Yeah, I, I think that's that's what we're going to see. And there's so much I don't know. The, like major league players at the best of times aren't necessarily keen to admit their own mistakes. I mean, you, you'll hear you know, maybe some reasons why a season didn't go your way, and and rarely is the answer. Oh, I just you know it, it's on me. I just didn't have a good year. You know, some maybe once in a while you hear that, but mostly there's some external reasons. So when there's something like this where there's so many layers to it. And it's so easy to deflect blame to to various places. Then, yeah, you're 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 right. I mean, I'm not expecting a lot of contrition from the Astros players. And you know, even seeing some of the comments from their fan fest the other week, you're kind of like, wow, that's like it really rings hollow from a distance. Maybe it plays differently mm-hmm. in Houston. I I certainly don't know, but from a distance, it's like you guys are so clearly you know just being defiant as opposed to admitting any sort of wrongdoing. Imagine that. that. From what we know about their culture, that seems so surprising at this point. <laughs> uh, I mentioned spring training is coming up in a couple of weeks. I, I assume you'll be down there for some or part or all of spring training in Dunedin, Florida to watch the uh, Toronto Blue Jays, the team that we typically cover on this podcast. Are you planning to go down? Yes. Yeah, yeah. So I'll be down there in for a chunk of March, which, um, yeah, by then, you know, we'll probably have a maybe a bit of a better sense of how they're how they're going to look when camp starts but yeah it'll, it'll be it'll definitely be nice to be down there so you wrote about it today on sportsnet about maybe like positions of vulnerability on on the blue jays um i think the bullpen is sort of a big one uh the rotation i don't know about vulnerable as much you know because there's depth but there's not necessarily a high ceiling i don't know what's your sense are there a lot of positions up for grabs or are there a lot of positions on the roster that guys are actually going to be fighting for and uh and and what could that mean you know as spring evolves yeah i think you know when it comes to their vulnerabilities i see it as um basically you know outfield is is a big one and shortstop would be a big one if anything were to happen to Bichette. i mean i think that would be you, know, you don't want to be playing Ruben Tejada and giving him everyday at-bats. You don't want to be promoting um, Santiago Espinal and expecting him to step into that role right away. Um, so I, I think shortstop's vulnerable. I think, yeah, outfield would be for sure. You look at the bullpen, absolutely. I think that's filled with some question marks. But it's interesting. You look at the the potential for spring jo- uh, you know, job battles or position battles. I don't necessarily see a ton of them. I mean, the fifth starter's on paper one of those. But you know all those guys are going to get their chance to start as long as they're healthy anyway. So in a way, it's a bit of a fake battle. It's almost like a more of a narrative than it is reality just because if if Trent Thornton is is capable of taking the ball every fifth day and even doing what he did last year, it doesn't matter whether that's opening day or not. He's going to have chances to pitch. Uh, what do you think about designated hitter? Is that a, is that a job that is going to be somebody's or is that... Uh, are those days gone? Are they just going to be cycling through whomever needs a blow or, or whoever needs them at bats or playing matchups? Is, is, can you see one particular guy getting a lot? Excuse me, getting a lot of reps at, at first base? Maybe Rowdy. Or sorry, DH. DH. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and I, you know, I think Telez could be someone who would figure in it at DH regularly. I mean, we saw last year. And if you have Travis Shaw to play first, you probably don't need Rowdy playing playing first defensively. Um, just because, you know, Shaw is certainly, you know, would profile as a better, uh, defender over there. So I, I think that, you know, mixing it up makes the most sense. I like mixing it up. Like I like just keeping that position open. Um, I think that's, you know, something that for the last two spots in your bullpen for your DH, 
I, I kind of I think it's kind of nice to have guys that you can cycle through. And then if you have a hitter on a hot streak or someone who needs a couple of weeks or a couple of days, then it's that much easier. So that was, you know, as, as fun as it would have been to see Encarnacion back with the Blue Jays for a lot of reasons, I just didn't think it was a great fit from a roster standpoint because if you have a player who can't really play defense, you, you kind of, I mean, we, I feel like we, we saw that with the Kendrys Morales signing and you know, I, I don't see really any reason to go back to having a traditional DH at this point. I heard a crazy rumor that uh, Edward Encarnacion signed with the Chicago White Sox. Uh, <laughs> can you confirm or deny? Like, that didn't really happen, did it? It's it's shocking. Like, in a weird way, the, I, I kind of feel like the White Sox and the Jays and the Rangers are in this category where, like, by the end of 2020, I feel like one of those teams will have had a, a sneaky good year and maybe, you know, contended into September. Um, and I by no means am I predicting that it, it will be the Blue Jays Maybe the White Sox in that division probably probably have the best shot of all. But it's kind of fun when you see those teams try to push themselves forward a little bit. And somewhat surprisingly, I mean, the Jays ended up in that conversation this year, which, you know, makes for the for the three of us, it certainly gave us a lot more to talk about. <laughs> That's for sure. At least you're yeah. trying. Like you can't I can't really begrudge anybody. The Reds, right? Is what is what the Reds are doing gonna work? I don't know. At least they're trying. At least they're trying to put a presentable product on the field. Okay, one last question about the DH, then we'll let you go. I know you don't have a ton of time tonight. Um, uh, do you think we'll see more or less of Vladimir Guerrero Jr. as the designated hitter in 2020? Oh man, I think if we see <laughs> if we see more of Vladdy at DH, it's probably not a good thing for this franchise. Um, you know, as much as you know, in the short term, he certainly based on what we saw last year he's more of a dh than he is a third baseman but they really want to see him succeed as a third baseman defensively even if he's below average if he's playable but below average then i think they'd be they'll be okay with that and you know based on the metrics that we've seen so far i think it was outs above average one of the one of the stat cast metrics and he was Mm -hmm. like 119th out of 119 i mean that's yeah. that's not great. Um, it was tied, it was tied, <laughs> tied. tied for last with yeah. with sixteen outs below average. But which, which um, look, I got a whole thing. I'm I'm working on a thing. That's it's it's the gears are turning. He'll be fine. He'll I mean, be fine. He or be. or or the franchise is sunk. Whatever. One of the two. What's the difference? <laughs> it, and it really like both are pretty easy to imagine because on the one hand. I mean, Alex Bregman and Chris Bryant were in college when they were his age. So it's, you know, it's a little bit unfair to, to judge him entirely off that, much like we wouldn't judge Elvis Luciano on what he did last year. But on the other hand, we did see what we saw, and it wasn't always great. So, you know, I, I don't know. I, I could really see this year going either way, and I'm not trying to, you know, dodge or anything, but I, who knows how he's going to be defensively. I, I like Stoughton's uh, pet pet uh, idea from last year which was that they were using it to send a message to him that they were like punishing vlad by putting him at dh <laughs> so uh of, of, as long as his uh fitness is where it needs to be i think i think we'll see him less at dh this year god help us but if I, we don't <laughs> and all the other side of my pet theory of course is that you know if you keep him at third then you know you're keeping him engaged in staying as athletic and, and as you know agile as possible, which you might not do as mu- as well if you're just like, well, you're a first baseman or a DH now. Well, and I do think that there's something to the, you know, when he when he would have those like rest days, like the load management days last summer. 
I don't know if, you know, I, I certainly wouldn't say it was punitive, but I think that there was an element of message sending there to Vlad where it's like, if you get into better shape and if you if you put this effort into your conditioning, then we won't have to do this again for you next year. Yeah, I, they certainly didn't. They didn't do it for Bichette, right? They're not nearly in right. the same way, despite being only a year older. Absolutely. All right, Ben, I think that's uh, all the time we were going to take from you. We were we are very appreciative. We're very glad to have you on for the first time. Uh, and I think that we'll have to do it again. Uh, tell the people where they can find you, where they can uh, listen to at the letters and and what you've got coming up before spring training. Yeah, well, uh, first of all, Drew, thanks for having me on Birds All Day. Uh, happy to to join you in Stoughton anytime. Um, and yeah, as you said, the, the podcast is at the letters. Um, you can find that on iTunes. And uh, then otherwise, we do a lot of baseball stuff at sportsnet.ca. And there, obviously, once spring gets started, we'll have uh, lots of Jays stuff. So check it out. Awesome. Ben Nicholson-Smith, thank you so much for your time. Anytime, guys. Thanks. All right, so yeah, thanks again to Ben Nixon-Smith, as he mentioned. Follow him on Twitter. Read him on Sportsnet. You can see him on TV sometimes. He's so fancy. So fancy. Ben Nicholson-Smith, former guest, former co-host, actually, of the Getting Blanked TV show, which is to say that that is still on YouTube somewhere. If you really wanted to find it, I guarantee that you could. <laughs> wow. And uh, see a much, much younger. Think about it this way. that It was probably eight years ago. Ben Nicholson-Smith probably looks about a day or two older. Like no yeah, time that's accurate. He, he is already <laughs> yeah. like one of the most youthful dudes around, and this was eight years ago. So uh, <laughs> the, the, uh, primordial, primordial Benny, Benny Fresh. Uh, Stoughton, what can the people I know expect that, to see? Hmm, sorry, go ahead. Oh sure, sure. Oh, I was just gonna say I know that the uh, you know the family ties thing is still on there somewhere. I would, but oh, it is. I, I feel I've wa- I feel I've watched that in the last within the last you know two or three years, and it was still out there. Well, I, I there's the one. I don't know. This is like way inside baseball. But so one of the reasons that we had inside one of the reasons that that show existed because YouTube was like telling our bosses like they they wanted professional quality content, right? They didn't want just like what YouTube was in 2011 and 12. They wanted like people with cameras and lights and stuff. So that's one of the was one of the reasons that the show was created. And then it was right around the time of the Jays trade that you someone from YouTube reached out to like whoever at the score and was like, do something on this now and we'll put it on like the front page. So the one video has like way more views than all the rest. Oh, so, really? <laughs> so on my, when I am used, like on my LinkedIn page, I'm sure there's a link to that video. Not that it was the best version of the show, but it's the one that has the most views because, you know, you got to cook the books sometimes, you know, you got to, oh, you got to yeah. stack like, the deck in your, in your favor. Yeah. I think, you know, YouTube, Facebook, those folks all know about that. Let's oh, see. they do. Man, Facebook, yeah. it, it's crazy that they got they've got away with it. Like anyway, we don't need we don't need to go there. Um, <laughs> no, we probably should. <laughs> excuse me. Uh and what what can the people expect to see you uh in the next little bit, next week or so or two? Uh, in the next week, well, I mean, upcoming, you know, the season's getting underway. Uh, we're moving into February, so you're going to see uh more stuff from me, not just me, but John uh John Lott and uh, mm-hmm. McGrath. You know, the athletics coverage is uh Going to ramp up as the season ramps up. Uh, I think I got a thing on. I'm looking. I'm looking for some like potential breakout prospects for the Jays. Mm. Uh, will be happening next week, and uh, I think we'll have a mailbag coming up. We got some, some you know, some spring, some some uh, you know, real easy spring content that everybody kind of wants. You know, the, I did the roster projection thing this mm-hmm. week. We'll do position battles and all this stuff down the line and predictions, uh, all those fun things. But hopefully, we'll have uh, uh, a few others that will be. Uh, a bit different, a little bit more interesting uh, than, you know, 
the ones that I could just name off in my sleep. Be like, oh yeah, I'll do that. And that, and that. Uh, but yeah, breakout prospects. We got some. Uh, we got some uh, Dutch clutch coming up in that probably. Oh, uh, spoiler! Sem Robbers, Robbers, or whoever the hell you're supposed to say his name. Um, I want to say take a quick second and send a shout out to Chris, who has been a longtime reader and listener, who I DM and stuff with sometimes, and he sent me a message not a while back and was like, "Hey, send me your address." And I was like, "Okay, stranger on the internet, here's my address, my home address <laughs> where my daughters and I live, and my wife." Yeah. Uh, and I yeah. and then I, which after the fact, I was like, "Was that a good idea?" And let me tell you, it was a great idea. Chris sent me an amazing, <laughs> like handwritten card with like some really really nice things to say that I'm not going to share because that's between that was those are Chris's thoughts and feelings. Um, yeah. But it was such a nice thing to do. So I really want to send an extra special shout out to Chris. Such a great thing to do. It really made, meant a lot to me. And uh, I want to say thank you to everybody who listens. If you take the time to listen, if you share it, if you send us messages, if you like us on, if you follow us on Instagram, Twitter, whatever it might be. Uh, thank you. So we're really excited to get the season started again. I think there's a lot of good energy and everybody's really excited for the season to start. And uh, got cool new uniforms, got a cool new pitcher, got a bunch of guys who have learned a bunch of stuff. So I'm um, excited. Excited about the 2020 <laughs> season. Hopefully they learned. Otherwise, we're absolutely. All <laughs> yeah, Nate, Nate Pearson, come on. Let's, There's that to be excited about as well. So we hope you're excited. We hope we'll hear you. You'll check in with us again uh, next time on Birds All Day. <laughs> <laughs>